Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Falcha, and welcome back to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to tell you about the real Ireland. My name is Stuart McNamara, and I'm here with my working hard or hardly working co-host, Rob Cross. Hi, Steve. It's uh, it's good to be back here on, on the old podcast. I've been, um, shall we say, away for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you had a lot of uh, a lot of work work and a lot of college work to do, so you had an interesting few weeks. Well, let's be maybe a little bit honest here and say I was actually very sick is the reason why. Um, and before anyone asks, yes, it was the thing that's going around. Just to briefly say to our listeners, I am more or less okay now, but I was the sickest I've ever been for probably about three weeks there maybe two weeks and yeah t- take precautions wash your hands socially distance wear masks i mean you can still do all of that like i didn't get it but just please be careful out there it's not fun to have it so yeah that's that's my message anyway so back to back to normal now though thankfully more yeah, or less. It, was a, it was a worrying few weeks there rob i mean i think all all of your friends and myself included were uh worrying about you making sure you were all yeah, right yeah it was but, uh, um it's good to to know that you're feeling much better i think it's uh like the, the thing you don't realize is there's you know you expect a cough and a sore throat and just being really tired because the fatigue is still here it's like the other things that aren't really general symptoms like i never thought you'd i'd be so dizzy and disorientated i couldn't stand up for about about a week that was new um like i couldn't do the podcast because i physically couldn't watch the films because it was like my eyes were on fire after about 10 minutes and uh, you know, ju- ju- I, I, it, it's it's just pretty horrible. But thankfully, it's it's over, largely over now. Um, I'm still pretty tired all of the time, but it's um, I'll take it over a lot of the other crap that was wrong with me. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the important thing is that you're feeling much better, and uh, you'll be back to fighting form in no time. Absolutely, yeah. our hearts go out to anyone who has it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a uh, wishing you the best. Terrible time, but yeah there's not much to be done but keep yourself safe exactly i will say i do actually have two big exams next week right regardless so Stu, Stu wasn't exactly lying when he said i had college <laughs> stuff <laughs> and I'm, the thing is I'm well, I'm well enough to do the two things so i'm just like ah feck you know <laughs> uh, i'll be i'll be we yeah, were talking about never it. sick when you need it i'll be i'll be all right I, i'm confident about one of them <laughs> That's all we can hope for. I think briefly before we jump into Uniquely Irish, we need to address the the biggest news of the week, which is was Conor McGregor knocked out for the first time. Maybe that was last week. I cannot honestly remember. It, I, I I certainly can't. I've been, I've been mostly in bed for the past three weeks too. Yeah, he get knocked out in a few seconds. Um, it's also it's also worth saying that um, you know, I'm I'm not going to say anything beyond the fact that someone is suing Conor McGregor um for some reason, and um, yeah, I wonder what that's about. Yeah, I mean, we're not his biggest fans, but sure. Uh, I I will say, I think it's he, just one of those things. I think he's a I think he's a scumbag. Um, I really don't like the guy. I I think that there's far better sports people out there to represent Ireland 
Then Conor McGregor, fanboys attack me all you want. I don't like the fella, never have. I think he puts a bad face in Ireland. Um, I, you know, you 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 want you want to see someone good represent Ireland? You know, look at Becky Lynch or Finn Balor, or you know, maybe in legitimate sports, you, you know, any any of our fine rugby team. Perhaps. I think, yeah, Katie Taylor would be Katie Taylor's the, is the obvious one better. there. Rob. Yeah. Anyway, I think we'll uh, jump right into Unique Irish, which we had a discussion beforehand. Might be something that we've talked about before, but we're going to do it again. Anyway anyway because we can't remember which is the irish countryside which of course is unique in its own way uh it's been built up kind of based on our history really that as a a very agricultural country uh for most of the time it's a an interesting place yeah it it, i I suppose it's when we say the countryside or or just the country in in some capacity we're kind of talking like outside urban areas sort of more rural you know kind of thinking like the farms kind of narrow roads the odd small village that's in general i think what we'd be referring to so like not where we live at the moment in in limerick city that wouldn't be the countryside although like where i live and i I think i know where Stu lives as well we, we can walk about you know 20 minutes in one direction and we can end up basically in the countryside I, I live very close to two farms which would surprise a lot of people considering I live very close to the city and I know there's a, a kind of a rural-ish kind of area not too far from you Steve isn't there yeah I mean that's that's the uh the surprising thing in Ireland is how quickly you go from the middle of a big city to being in the countryside I mean I'm in the suburbs really but when we moved here first from my room, which is at the back of the house, yeah. just uh, beyond our garden was a, a farm, like, well, a field with cows in it. And like, that's the way it was. And like on both sides, like there's our little housing estate just beyond it is uh, more farms, more uh, cattle farms. Well, I think they do milking more than anything, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it'd be the same here. There's a, they, they're actually building um, new houses, I think down the end of my road at the moment. Cause I, I think a farmer had one of the random bits of land down there is after selling them so there's a it's all dug up at the moment i only realized this like yesterday and i was walking the dog because i can leave the house again so you know yeah but I mean, like the irish countryside is, is unique for for certain things even linguistically i know uh we have the the tiny irish country roads called boherines yeah uh, which i think comes basically from like a cow and a half isn't it so you want to, yeah that's enough room for a cow to walk along and the one next to it to be able to turn around that's basically it yeah uh bo is the irish for cow and like i think boreen would be like boher is the irish for work uh for road um so yeah you kind of something that's kind of fallen into english i mean it's it sort of you, you'd kind of hear the word barine kind of used a lot it, it's just the kind of image you have as a, as a narrow kind of road generally kind of oh, grass grown up the middle still i think is the is kind of a very visceral kind of image i, I oh, yeah, i'd definitely. have it like we'd, we'd if you're out driving in um more rural Ireland sometimes you have to like you know you're like trying to find maybe a small townland which is like smaller than a village or like a someone's random house that's just in the middle of nowhere after you like turn onto this tiny little road and there's like grass growing up the middle and it's so narrow there's like if you meet another car you know there's nowhere for you to go or you, you hope there's like a little gate you can pull yeah, into you're or something. reversing back that's that's like real the real kind of countryside i i would think of anyways too yeah and even like you know you get the the kind of cliches in a lot of movies of driving down one of these roads and then you're you're stuck because there's a herd of cattle or sheep being yep. 
brought down the road to the next uh, the next field. And it's like that genuinely happens uh, a fair bit in the the countryside here. It does, yeah, and it, it's um, you know, even though it's kind of a stereotypical thing, like it's in I know when we reviewed Michael Collins, like at the very start of the film, isn't it the the guards or the G-men are after them and they, they there's like a bunch of sheep oh, crossing yeah, yeah. the road and Michael Collins gets out of the car and asks them what they have for breakfast and gets back in. Uh, like you know, like kind of a stereotypical like Ireland in like 1919 or 1920 but you do still see it to a certain extent. Like, I don't think it's stereotypical uh, in the in a broad sense because it just sort of, yeah, it just happens. You have to get the sheep across the road somehow, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's all down to the, the government's needing to make roads, uh, the farmers having the fields and there might be two fields that are separated by your own train tracks and you just need a way to get across somehow is it is another one of course yes that's definitely train tracks as well um we used to have one of those up the road actually um we don't we don't anymore but uh there there it was actually it was actually interesting because uh, i live right next to the the, the the train line that goes from limerick to ennis and it's an interesting one because it's there's bridges across like canals and rivers but it actually goes from like a road level there's a road crossing just up the road then it kind of goes down it's almost in like this little valley uh, it's just do those like where i mean but it, it's sort of below the road surface so it goes from going over the road to going under a road and a bridge and a little further up there was a farmer that has well i I, going back quite a while now because it's an old railway and he had two fields on either side of it but there's a big kind of 10 20 foot drop kind of in the middle of it and they had to build a special bridge for him to get a sheep across it now the the bridge was condemned later i remember playing on it when we were younger because it was next it was next to the pub which we spent a lot of (laughs) lot of sundays in but uh, you know eventually they had to take it down i I think they i think they got (laughs) i think they got a work around now Stu. but i I think that's a very irish uh, (laughs) description there oh yeah I mean, even just like the the look of the landscape, you know, when you're seeing it from above, the likes of when you're coming into land at Shannon or that, you can really see the the patchwork of fields because uh, whatever way the the farmer keeps them, they all tend to to be different colours from above. And then you have the the old kind of stone uh, or the old stone walls connect or dividing each one, just kind of built up over time, probably from stones they cleared out of the. Uh, out of the field itself, similar to the field, Absolutely. because they do have quite rocky landscape. I, I think another thing that you'd re- is really kind of an, an image you'd, you'd get at the countryside here would definitely be the kind of stone walls, but not not kind of in um, a very you know fancy sense. I don't know how to do this. It's it's just like they're just stone walls like going along the road, but they're not really a lot of them, the old ones don't have like cement on them. It's just literally different shapes of rocks. And stones that, that have like oh, been yeah, kind like of there, there's no mortar at oh, just all. been fit together they're yeah. just lumped on top of each other into a heap that kind of makes a wall but it works you know what i mean it it, it really does and um oh yeah know, it, it's an it's an old skill like i mean I, re- I remember reading about when they were talking about having to rebuild some of these old walls and also it was to do with some of the old stone kind of humpback bridges you see and you actually have to get guys in to learn how to be a stonemason to, to fix these because you can't just go in there with new rocks and some cement you know you actually have to be like well if you do that it's going to collapse the wall because it's set up in a certain way and there's a there's an old irish way of doing it so you have to get like fellas really old like learned it off their grandfather in you know the 1920s to to teach guys now so it, it, it there's, it's a real art form almost but it, it's certainly an image you'd get of just like a narrow road the grass up the middle the, the old stone walls on either side it's you know it t- t- takes you back i think <laughs> <laughs> oh definitely and uh i think the other one then is uh, especially in the likes of uh connacht if you're up in the hills you get the 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 sheep just kind of wandering free around the place 
because obviously it's it's a lot harder to have cows grazing on a, on the mountains in Ireland. Yeah. So they just like have loads of sheep that just kind of wander free with the, the spray of collar on their back to indicate which farmer owns which sheep. And they just kind of, even on the roads, like sometimes you'll be driving up in, in some of the more rural areas and there'll just be a group of them standing in the middle of the road. You have to honk to yeah. get past. They'll generally move. Um, I remember, wasn't there like the, the a bear grills thing? Like where he went to like Connemara <laughs> in the west of Ireland, and like he he like killed and ate one of those sheep. And I was like, bear, that's a good way to get shot by a farmer. Like, don't don't do that. <laughs> no, no, I I I don't think he killed it. I think he found a dead sheep, which was probably considering what uh, I know about bear grills yeah, production. Was I would planted say so. there, but I mean, it, like that was just a hilarious idea. Like getting lost, like I can't really speak for any any actual times that it's happened to people, but getting lost in Ireland is almost ridiculous because of how small it is. I mean, if you walk an hour in any direction, you'll find a pub or a road or something. Like it's it was crazy to think that Bear Grylls could come here and try to shoot a survival show when Ireland is just so small, you can find anything anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you can still get lost. I mean, I've we, we've gotten lost out in certain parts of the country. Um, but you know, you, you just drive around and you just keep like taking a, like left hand turns and you'll that, end up where it, you started. Yeah, but but like even you know, as he was, he, you know, he was on foot. But like, if you can get your bearings and know which way east and west is, I mean, I think you could probably walk to the coastline in a very short amount of time. I mean, yeah, we. I suppose fines would be the closest bit to us, or yeah, maybe, maybe in Clare. Yeah. yeah, but you know what I mean. Like you know, east to west is—is uh, is it even a hundred kilometers? I'm not entirely sure um, on the, the distance I across. Would say the, but you know, it, it's not huge. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the narrowest point. Well, I mean, obviously, the narrowest point would be like down the top. If you want to get technical about it, I suppose like Dublin to Galway would be one of the wider points. Um, and that'd be about like maybe two hundred kilometers to to thirty something like that. I don't know what that is. In miles <laughs> don't don't ask me <laughs> i realized i said like feet earlier and i was referring to that and i was like yeah either way we have a small country it, it, it's hard to get lost in yeah well see i think as well we have to mention the old oh, jesus the you'll know you're in the countryside in some parts in, in some times of the year because you get a very strong smell of manure uh won't you well yeah i mean you know the the spreading of slurry is, is a, a big part of the of being a farmer i suppose making sure that the, the fields are well uh, fertilized yeah well enriched for the growing of hay and that for the rest yeah. of the year uh, i just felt i'd mention it because I, I you know it's like you can associate memories with smells I, I i always can and that's just like a memory i'd have of some parts of like west clare like we'd go out on a day trip to another part of west clare from kilkey and it's just like the stench in the summer is overpowering at times <laughs> So, yeah, but felt that was worth mentioning. Like, you know, yeah, if you're going out in the countryside, it's, you know, just bear that in mind. It might smell a bit off. <laughs> right. So in consideration of uh, Rob's troubles, we won't have the movie that we were supposed to do this week. But I just searched around online to try to find a nice little article for us yep. to chat through. And uh, I found on the website, Meanwhile Ooh. in Ireland, uh, the top 10 funniest facts about Ireland. So we'll go through this. And I think at the end, Rob has some... Uh, interesting pub facts that we might well, go through as well. You know, Stu, whenever I have to come up with something quickly, I just think about, I can really talk about a pub for a few minutes. Remember remember pubs? <laughs> I think we all could, especially since we've been lying to go for one for over a year. Well, it's looking like we might 
be able to do a pub in potentially March is what the end of March is what they're saying. Maybe. I mean, they say that I, I'm more inclined to think that this is going to be a rolling lockdown where they're not going to tell us the full extent. It's just kind of, oh, it'll be another month and then it'll be another month. Well, in one sense, I think I have immunity for like a, a little while, so I'm not that worried. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Rob. That's that's well for you. You can go run off to the pub all you like. Just you know, all the people who've already had it into one pub. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not. I don't. I'm obviously not advocating for that. Like I, I think I'm quite low down on the vaccine list because I'm largely a healthy person. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, we'll be waiting yep. a while. So I'll run into this number ten anyway. Is that we are obsessed with tea, I, I, which I can't argue with. I've really, had like I three mean, cups today. I think it's re- it's kind of a holdover from uh, our occupation, but well, uh, it, we do definitely oh, love I our think, cups of tea. Like we talked about this before in the podcast, like you know, Barry's versus Lions and all that. And I, I'm very fond of a cup of tea. I'd have multiple a day. Having I've had a bit of Earl Grey since I've been sick. Just I found the citrus really helped with it. But anyway, but um. Normally, I'd be Barry's, but I, I can't really deny that. I'm pretty sure we do have per capita the highest amount of tea drinking in the world. I'd say we, we must be close. Uh, but yeah, like if we're talking tea, we can't miss out on saying Mrs. Doyle. Ah, go on. Uh, because tea father. Yeah, from Father Ted, she's the national tea drinker for us. It's just brilliant kind of catching that the the culture of Ireland of tea drinking. It's like, I'll have one. You definitely want one. Well, I mean, that's, I think it's even like how we've said... Um, before you know and this podcast where it's like if Stu comes over to my house I'd, I'd, I'd offer him a cup of tea and he'd always and you always you always say no first don't you it's like Stu would you have a cup of tea oh yeah you don't want to put the other person out is the, the most important thing if I mentioned it before I think my girlfriend said to me it's like the reason why we decline apparently first like if you ask someone an Irish person like do you want to drink or something else they'll always say no first it's a very important thing we need to get across. Like you have to ask an Irish person at least twice, you know, because often they'll want a cup of tea or they'll want to, or they'll want a bit of food or whatever. They're going to say no first. You have to ask them. It's like, are you sure? And then they'll say yes. Maybe it might be more than two times. But very to do with the famine, like just you know, not wanting to put impose on someone if they if they really only had a very little bit of food, but out of politeness they'd offer it to you. So of course now it's just you know we 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 will get there. You will give the person a cup of tea whether you know they. You're just going to have to ask them like four times. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the you know you don't want to impose on them, but you do still really want the cup of tea. So it's kind of like if they only ask you once, you know that they don't actually want to make you one. But if they ask a couple of times, then you're good to go. Yeah, that's that's basically it. And I, I think tea is just um, like it's it's what you'd offer to someone if they come into your house in Ireland. That's I I would I, unless you're like having dinner or something very specific or it's like it's a party and they're you're having drinks tea is exactly what i'd go to, to offer to someone first like whoever it was you know your cousin or just like a workman or something you'd you'd ask them if they want a cup of tea or something oh, yeah. or maybe a coffee if they were so inclined but generally a tea yeah so number nine anyway is a bit of a, a an older historical one but prescriptions for condoms so up until 1985 you needed a prescription to get yeah, condoms which right. was a, an interesting time in ireland i'm sure way before uh, our times yeah well like yes it is before our times yeah no that that's kind of what it was it, there, there's actually a, 
there's actually a good Limerick connection to the story, Stu, would you believe? I, I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts while I've been sick because I haven't been able to watch things. So, yeah, I, I, there's a good one about Jim Kemmy, who was a famous politician from Limerick. He was very left-leaning. He was uh, in and out of the Labour Party at various times, but he set up the Irish Family Planning Clinic in Limerick, which was one of the very first places that actually talked about contraception and things like that in the country. And originally it was, you know, yeah, the contraception was completely illegal, like your condoms or the pill or anything else. And you know, we're a Catholic country. You couldn't be having that carry on. But eventually in the 70s, they allowed it that if you were married and, you know, you could you could get a prescription off your doctor if there was like an actual risk. So it's like if, um you know, the doctor was like, oh, geez, if she has another child, it might kill her was, was the, the common kind of one you, you'd have heard because God, you know, they, they couldn't just not have sex because the Catholic thing to do is to do that. So this would save her life. Um, but um, there, there was quite a good black market in smuggling them across the border. There's a, a, a very famous case too, uh, where we might oh, have yeah, talked sure, about uh, this, I think, before. Yeah, I think my my favorite sketch from Bridget Naiman, if you remember it, Ralph, yeah. when they uh, they go up to Northern Ireland to to smuggle back down a big box of condoms, and they're not even sure how to put them <laughs> on or anything. It's, it's hilarious. Well, it's based on a true story. There was a bunch of Irish feminists, like. Unfortunately, cannot recall there. I think Marion Finucane might have been one of them, famous journalists. And what they did was they went up on from Dublin to Belfast on the train. And obviously, there's there, you know, we were in the EU at this point, both the United Kingdom and Ireland, but you still there's still a customs check um on the train coming back down. So what they did was they went into a chemist right next to the train station. And like, you know, the they interviewed the the chemist later and he said, Would most of the people up here be, you know, buying these things be Catholic or Protestant? And he just goes, well, they're the most Southern uh, Catholic Protestants I've ever seen. Then you know, hinting that he he knew what was going on and he didn't really care. So what they was they bought a load of condoms. And they bought he is, and they Look, bought he's making the his money contraceptive pills at the time. But the, so then they were going down on the train, and they knew when they got off the train because they they publicised the journalists were waiting from the the, the guardy and the customs men to be waiting for them, and they'd be like, right, we're going to have to take these off you and give you a fine. So what they did was they they got off the train anyway. And then the customs man was there and he was sent, do you have anything to declare there, ladies? Because obviously they already knew because it was a press event. And they said, well, we have some we have some contraceptions, uh, septives on us. And then they said, but you're not going to get them. And then they they pop started popping all the pills. Now, as it turned out, they actually weren't contraceptive pills at all. Stu. They'd actually just bought like um, I've heard either they were either Tic Tacs or like aspirin or something like that. And they just said they'd, they'd take them in front of the guards as like a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well hopefully the, the thing is, the guards didn't know what they looked like. So they, they, they genuinely thought they were just like, you know, <laughs> contraceptive pills. They were like, oh, they're very minty. Oh, yeah, they must be supposed to be. Like that. Oh, so then number eight we have is we invented flavored crisps. Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, that's chips for some people. But yeah, we were the ones who in- who brought flavor to the crisps of the world. As we've discussed before, Tato being our national <laughs> crisp, it's a, it's a great honor to have invented so many lovely oh, yeah, flavors. Cheese and onion, like ready salted, which really isn't a flavor, I suppose. It's like the bare minimum of a flavor, Stu. Well, look, it's salted. I mean, it, it, it's something. Salt and vinegar, then it'd but, be uh, another what one. What more can you do? I mean, I think we found uh, 
yeah, I remember we found in deals that one time you, you could get uh, crisps, but the little salt sachet came with it. So yeah. they were unflavored. So they're just literally well, fried an, potato chips thing. with it's, nothing. And you well, put the salt thing, on yourself. My father would say the, the same thing as well. It's, yeah. You get the, the crisps and they'd just be unflavored. And it would come with the salt pack. And as you'd, you'd open the salt pack and put it inside and you'd kind of reseal the bag and like shake it. Um, And that that's what you do, basically. And that's how you, you got the kind of... Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The salted flavor on them. That was that was kind of it back in the day. I I definitely prefer a cheese and onion uh, potato myself. Oh yeah, cheese and onion. Uh, I'm quite partial to an old uh, Thai sweet chili. That's a, a lovely flavor yeah, for the old I'm, I'm not a fan of spicy things too much. I remember there was a one that did that, and it was actually quite pleasant. Um, I don't like salt and vinegar. I really hate salt and vinegar. Never liked it. <laughs> right. Now, number seven, then, is uh, about rain, surprisingly. But it's actually about an incident in 2007, uh, which I don't think I remember. Maybe I do somewhere in the recesses of my brain, where it actually rained for 40 days straight, which is no surprise in this country, um, really. I, I believe that. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that for a second, Stu. And then Jesus left uh, Ireland afterwards. I, mean, I think that's really why we uh, we always offer someone a cup of tea yeah, I think that's why we always offer someone a cup of tea when they come in the door is because it's probably raining outside and they need that's something to warm point. themselves yeah. up with. Um, I don't specifically remember this, but it sounds like the type of thing that would have happened then. Um, I don't doubt it, you know. Like, it rains a lot. It, it was raining earlier. Yeah, I mean, if it doesn't rain at least once a day, I think the, the plants of Ireland would literally just I, uh, burst into flames. I think it's just like being we have dry. very green grass over here and like very rich fall and people always say that's just, yeah, because it rains half the year. Of course, they're going to be green. You know, there's no there's no two ways about yeah, it yeah was was it last year or the year before we got that really dry time of year and like it was almost shocking seeing all of the the vegetation just like turning yellow and 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 dry from yeah the, that's the right yeah had. it was that was a crazy heat wave we had like we you could barely stand like out in the sun for more than like a minute it was just unbearable um stifling jesus and because like a lot of places Ireland don't have like it was it, it was an unbearable like, 15 or 20 degrees oh, it i was mean like, we were it was like 20, 26 or 27 degrees celsius too it was actually that warm which was <laughs> i'm only joking rob because you know we're, we're so unused to to the heat and the thing is like most places in ireland don't have like proper air conditioning because we don't 
don't yeah, really, really think it's times. going to get hot. Like you'll have heating to keep because it'll be cold, but we don't think we better have like a co- something to have like cold air. So was, I think the only places that really had it were like hotels. So I think we like we ran into like one of the travel lodges on like the the Ennis Road or something, and because it was like the only place I came, it was like, oh god, that's so nice. And it was like I suppose we'll have to get a coffee here or something. <laughs> Well, something cold, preferably. Yeah, like maybe shopping yeah. centres and that might have it as well. But Irish houses just are meant to keep heat in. They have no way of letting the heat out except opening a window. But when it's as hot outside as it is inside, I, I, there's it a YouTube really channel I'm a big fan of called Technology Connections. Um, great guy that does it, but he, he was talking about like, oh yeah, he's I love oh, his I love stuff them. is great. Yeah, but like, he, he did one kind of recently well. about um, it wasn't it, it was a humidifier or something because he, he it's basically had to put like moisture in the air because it gets very cold and dry in winter time. I think he lives in near yeah. Chicago in the Midwest. But he's like, oh, yeah, the, like air conditioning, like heaters for like different parts of the air. And I'm just like, wow, you go through like a really rapid kind of change. It's just like something you don't really think. You're like, we have central heating. Like I have a, a, a wood chip fire that like heats up the main room in my house. But, you know, there isn't really anything here if it gets too hot. Um, open the window, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, like we've spoken about it before, where Ireland just like in yeah. general has really mild weather. I think on the, the podcast two weeks back, I, I mentioned like how it cold was, it had been yeah. down to minus five. It's like we just don't really get those extremes Increasingly of weather. Increasingly so, I think, be, you know, now I think people say like global warming and all that is having an effect. And I, I think we all can. Well, I, I think you have, have to kind of say, there, I mean, yeah. there's definitely a lot more. Like we would very rarely get snow in wintertime. Like I can remember really like in the 90s and early 2000s when I grew up it was like we had one snowy Christmas that was it and then we didn't really get it again for I, I, I think maybe when I was in secondary school I remember properly being snowy so that would that would have been a gap of like maybe 10 years plus um but now it's a, it's a lot more common particularly where we live we you might get snow in some other parts of the country because they're like higher up or something but we never really did down here and now it's really more of a common thing you know you, it's not you know. yeah I mean I, I think I think part part of that for Limerick just in terms of snow is that we're kind of we're kind yeah. of surrounded by hills, so we don't really get the extremes that a lot of other parts of the country do. Like I remember, was it the beast from the east? We had a few uh, few years back, and like up like the around yeah. Dublin and that they had like feet of snow, but down here we had like the lightest of dust. Was that it? Was, was really that the one a, where we got a locked into difference. the main building in college, or is that a different one? <laughs> No, no, no. Remember the beast from the east was the uh, the oh, really I, cold I had snowy to, weather I, we had. There I had two, to clear out the drive through when I worked at McDonald's uh, of snow that day. That oh, that was unpleasant. <laughs> Jesus, we didn't we didn't have a proper shovel. We didn't have a proper shovel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to the list. Sorry. Oh, all right, back to the list. Anyway, so number six then is that funerals can be just as much crack as um, weddings, which uh, I, like I suppose could be true. Obviously, weddings are a, a sadder time, but uh, like we we tend to be more, you know, the Irish way. Yeah. We celebrate the the person's life rather than being overly kind of. I, I would sad about their I passing. Say it's is probably like, the best um, way of explaining it. You know, it's it's it, it's it's not like quite a like a five day mourning thing like you know you, you see in some Eastern European countries, and it's not you know like a, a New Orleans jazz funeral, but it's the happy medium, perhaps. <laughs> you know, because you're celebrating someone's life. Yeah, like I I don't think 
it's really correct to say that it's as much crack as a wedding, but like we do, you know, we'll we'll go to the pub and there'll be finger you food might go and back stuff to someone's and house afterwards, and, yeah. and all that. So, it, and I th- I suppose in Ireland, yeah, it, it's one of those strange things where for a lot of people, you'd, you'd never really see your family except for a wedding or a funeral. And so it becomes like a, a catch up and you remember the life of the person who passed away in that. It's, it's kind of something that you'd hear a few, I've heard older relatives said it, like, you know, their meeting is that we have to stop meeting at funerals like this and it's yeah i suppose when you get to a certain age it's yeah it's kind of unfortunately true modern world the rat race that everyone's in i suppose of course now with with our lockdown here and everything there's it's it's a lot curtailed i mean i've unfortunately been had to attend a funeral in in a capacity during this and it's i say that we just stood outside the house while the hearse went by i mean that's kind of what you're doing at the moment um you know which is very different from kind of the experience you, you do get with irish you know, like that you'd go to the pub you'd, you'd have a wake as well and that's there's a lot of drink to be had and there's reminiscing about that person's life it's you know celebrating their life as you said Stu but not having that at the moment is quite difficult I suppose for Irish people because we're very friendly people we're very sociable people and you know it's not being able to sit down next to someone and have a chat and a, a pint about something like this is very you know it, it, it's just very different from what we'd be used to so it isn't easy at the moment with all the restrictions of course they're for the the, the right reasons and all that but it's uh you know I, I suppose at the moment that that isn't true at all but yeah maybe I mean, a normal time uh, you know funerals in ireland especially being kind of a, a strange thing well the the passing of someone you know like because we always have the obituaries in the paper and uh i know in limerick anyway we'll always have the uh was it the they'll be called out on a uh, live 95 every uh every week the debt notices day, on the radio uh, is so it's, a it's a big part of it I think that's actually is a very Irish thing that the death notices on the local radio because it'll just be my nan in particular would always be like like oh, quiet quiet like t- turns up the radio like, let's see who died that that is a very Irish yeah, thing I it think. really is <laughs> now the next oh, one uh, I'll mention but I think we'll save it because we will be doing a, a bit of a St. Patrick month but St. Patrick wasn't even Irish he's number five on the list which I think like maybe some people don't know but I think most people should really know that St. Patrick wasn't from yeah. Ireland well at least if you're Irish anyway. I think as I mentioned in another episode, it uh, depends which St. Patrick you're talking about, Stu. I think they mean, you know, the one with the parade and the snakes. I know, <laughs> I know. No one cares about the other. Well, actually, ne- ne- I think the idea was neither of them were Irish. One was Welsh and the other was from Breton and Brittany. And Yeah, so number four on the list then is we have a unique national symbol, which is obviously the harp. Um, I think it, you probably know yeah. uh, national flags better than I would, but I don't think the, there are many that have a musical instrument on them. Not that I can immediately think of there, Stu. You know, it, it's worth saying, obviously, if you look at the, the tricolor, the green, white and gold or orange, depending on your predilection, there isn't a harp on it, but it's... Um, the traditional flag of Ireland did have a harp on it because the traditional colour of Ireland is actually blue. It's not green. So the if you want an example of it, you look at the presidential standard, the, the president's flag. It's it's a blue flag that has a gold harp on it. And that's the um that's kind of the, the natural symbol there. It's also on like the seal of the Oireachtas, our, our houses of parliament. You, you'd see it as well. And it's on like a lot of government seals and things like that. But it, it's just kind of it. The harp has been an in, instrument that is featured in Irish traditional music for a very very long time and just a gold harp as well that's that's always been something that's featured in um mythology yeah but you know i mean 
the harp kind of features on a lot of uh, Irish products and stuff. You know, obviously Guinness being the the Absolutely. main example, you'll always have the harp there. But you know, it, we yep. fi- it finds itself in a lot of places. But uh, number three on the list then is being drunk is an offence, uh, which I think it is in a lot of places. Well, uh, I, like I suppose that... we kind of changed that to to being you know I you suppose. can't drink outside would be probably a better way of putting it. Well, you can. Well, I mean, I think like being drunk and disorderly, like it's it's a public order offence. You could be arrested for it. Generally, that guards will move you on unless you're making a nuisance of yourself or like, you know, not kicking bins or stuff like that or, or, or starting fights. Um, Like as well, you know, it's, it's illegal to be served alcohol in a pub if you're deemed to be drunk. Um, But that's, I, I wouldn't know anywhere that would do that, Stu, would you? Oh, no, not at all. But uh, no, I think the, the more obvious part of it is like, you know, you can't go to the park and have a few cans. It's, you, you have to be, in a drinking establishment or in your own home there are a few exceptions i, I, oh, just, I know there are a few to spots. mention it because you know as someone who's you can drink in the publicly in the phoenix park that's fine because it's owned by the the office of public works which is like a national thing you can't drink in like um a local park because like dublin city council or like limerick county council would have like bo- local bylaws against it so there are exceptions that you know and, and all, all this lovely stuff but you know but uh yeah i mean it, it's just it is a, a strange thing considering you know uh, i've done a bit of traveling and uh in places like spain and italy where you just yeah. you can wander down the street in the evenings with a, an open bottle uh i used to love just you could wander into a shop uh pick up a, a, a yeah. bottle of beer and like they'll open it for you in the shop and then you just wander out with it it's fantastic and it, it's one thing no, that you'd think really. we could do it here because of our uh us being notorious for our drinking but unfortunately we can't well i mean people always ruin it for everyone else that's just the way it is like there's even now like you'll see like the fellas drinking the cans and you know in the park or whatever and they'd be causing trouble right uh now number two is something that i hadn't really heard about but rob you uh as the dublin resident might know a bit more but it uh it says uh red light district so apparently in dublin on montgomery street we once had one of the largest red light districts in all of europe well i've heard about that yeah um there's uh oh i can't remember there's a song or something about it um i think it might be in waxy's dargle or something like that there, there's a bit about going up to monto town or something like that and it's what they call it. I think it was, you know, kind of known as being like the red light district or something. But uh, yeah, I had heard bits about that, that it was kind of, you know, known, kind of an open secret kind of a thing, even though we were under British rule and it was illegal and, you know, nominally a Catholic country. But yeah, people have needs, I guess, is one way of looking at it. <laughs> well, look, I think that's uh, that's definitely something to, to research for a future episode. I, I do. I must comment there on the because uh, the, they have a photo of Amsterdam's red light district in the article, and just like almost almost front and center on one of the uh, one of the establishments is a big Guinness sign. Well, there are connections between the Netherlands and Ireland, um, which we might talk about in another episode because it. Well, we have to talk about King Billy and, and things <laughs> get uh, you know complicated. Right. So number one then is we don't consume the most Guinness in yeah. the world. Nigeria, which I think you definitely know, but it's apparently. Uh, 
is Nigeria consumes the, the Wait, most Guinness. You see, it's, it's different because they actually have a factory over there in Lagos, I think, or maybe Abuja. But it's a different type of Guinness. It's actually much stronger. It's not quite the export stuff, but I it's um I think it's I think it might be closer to a porter than a stout, it's kind of slightly lighter, and it comes in bottles, and it's about ten percent, I think, is what I heard the last time. It's certainly stronger than the Guinness is here, and they generally drink it out of bottles, and it, it there is a different cultural thing there that they don't really drink it in draft because it would be you know it, to get like a, the proper nitrogen pump set up and everything else would be quite expensive, and a lot of pubs in like Nigeria wouldn't be able to afford it so they just they had the bottle yeah, well, that's, it's, that's it's a fair, different kind of drinking culture and it's consumed in a different way than it is over here so that doesn't really strike me as too odd um you know i, I think per capita we might be more but i think overall they'd probably overtake us um Niger- like guinness is very popular in africa as it turns out um and a lot of places yeah, I mean, like that look, uh, it's nice to know that uh guinness is drank so many places around the world and if it keeps them happy and uh a little bit tipsy, uh, more power to them. Of course, the Guinness you get abroad is rarely as good as the one you get in Ireland. So um, I, I've had a few dodgy Guinnesses abroad, mostly in the UK. Oh, I'm sure yeah. we've discussed a, a yeah. lot about there, our There's um, poor a great Twitter, uh, Shit London Guinness. I, I advise people to look it up. Um, I can't remember, like, they got a big <laughs> shout out by some celebrity recently, but they had like a Guinness, which was just in a fucking cardboard box. Like they were doing like takeaway pints because of COVID. And it's, see, they just put the Guinness into it. It's not even in like a plastic cup. It's in it. It's just in a box, a cardboard box. Like I've like that oh. takes the cake. Like I've seen Guinness that have like terrible head on them, like too much head or not enough, and then you know, are just like in the wrong type of glass. And but this this just takes the cake. It's there. It looks like someone just spilled the Guinness in in the thing and just with well, we'll just say that's how we're doing it. Like it's graceful. Thing. Yeah. So I think before we finish up, Rob, you might want to. Talk to us a little bit about Ireland's oldest pub. Yeah, you know, we were planning on doing something about kind of famous pubs in Ireland at some point. We, we might do that as a separate episode or maybe uniquely Irish. We'll, we'll kind of see. So maybe a little sneak preview at it. But there were two kind of, I was kind of thinking, there are two pubs in particular that I'd, I'd like to bring up. And obviously you have to start out with uh, Sean's Bar, uh, which is allegedly the oldest pub in Ireland and also potentially the world's do. Um, is the thing now? Obviously, you have to put an asterisk next to that because you know, as as often with these things, you make a claim like that, it's incredibly difficult to prove it. Um, you know, even like for example, where like Limerick, where we are, if 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 I ask you, what's the oldest pub in Limerick? Oh well, uh, as you said, it's very hard to say, so I wouldn't be entirely sure. You have if you, I mean, you could but probably say something guesses. like Souths. Uh, you know, might be the thing because I think they're about eighteen ten. But then you have to get into things like, oh, Katie Daly's is like seventeen eighty something or something like that. But it hasn't been opening continuously because it reopened a couple of years back. So you have to kind of get into the thing where, well, in a lot of these cases, there's like a pub has been on this premises or on this spot for like a couple hundred years. It hasn't maybe been in continuous family ownership or things like that. So it's always worth saying that you know, take a little bit of a pinch of salt with these things. Now, having said that, with with Sean's bar, it there is evidence that there has been a pub in that place since they're saying eleven eleven um twenty nine certainly, but stuff is going right back there to nine hundred AD or you know, I can't remember what the the CE I think is the the new one you're supposed to use. So there certainly has been a pub on that premises or roughly that area since about nine hundred. Um, well, like you wouldn't has, be surprised. Yeah. I mean, with Ireland's. Uh 
notoriousness for love of the drink, having a, a pub around that long. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's certainly um, evidence there that it is. Now, obviously, it hasn't been called Sean's Bar the whole time, Stu. There's multiple, multiple different kind of names with it there. Uh, It's in Athlone in County Westmead on the main street. You can't really miss it, basically. (laughs) Ask a local. It's it's quite nice, though. I I actually haven't been inside it, I must confess. I've I've passed by it, but I haven't gone in. Uh, We weren't on a trip where we were basically... um, stop in there but they they have like found very old coins on the spot as well and old walls i think some of them are up in the national museum in dublin actually as a matter of fact but the other there is a lot of evidence there so you know is it the oldest pub in ireland well maybe not strictly but it certainly has a claim to being in a place where a pub has existed for a very long time we might we might come back to this one Stu, if i can get some old dig out some old documents uh to kind of validate validate maybe things a bit more but there's one other pub I'd like to mention, Stu, and it's somewhere I really want to go because it takes some of my various passions in life and puts them together. Aside so it's going to be on a, a train, so, right? Oh, you got half of it, right? It's uh, also a railway museum. They actually have you can actually have a pint inside an old um, decommissioned engine, <laughs> which I love. But it's also uh, very famous for a very important political event that happened there. So this is the Hell's Kitchen Railway Museum uh, in Castlereagh County, Roscommon, over more in the, the west of Ireland. Not actually a million miles away from Sean's Bar. It, it, you know, it, it's just basically go across the river and you're you're in Roscommon, so it's it's not a million miles away. And basically, there is a fellow that owns it. He is mad into trains and he bought an old one of the very first diesel engines that Aaron Road Aaron had the class uh, 001 and uh, basically was like bought it for a scrap and was like oh I'm not scrapping it at all I'm keeping it and managed to get it from Dublin down to <laughs> Roscommon somehow managed to get it into the place I think he had to knock through a wall or something and it's just there uh, has a lot of stuff as well from the uh, Ballyhatherine at Kilfrey Junction as well which was the very last um, railway line in Ireland that had steam trains on it so that's interesting stuff there as well and uh, it counts a very nice little pub you had a bit of food in there obviously it's closed at the moment but you know you can get a tour of the the old stuff as well and yeah yeah you know if you're, if you're like me and mad into trains and stuff like that you you'd, you'd, you'd love it but there is also a very interesting uh, political event that happened there Stu. um you, you might you might not be familiar with that charity haughty our former Taoiseach uh prime minister uh one of the things he, he did do was he allowed um phone tapping of something certain journalists uh Geraldine Kennedy I think Bruce Arnold was one of them Vincent Brown as well in the 80s and Sean Doherty was the minister of justice at the time who was a former guard who you know Hawhey had basically put in there because he had ways of looking after people until he annoyed Hawhey and got sacked he uh, was doing an interview on Nighthawks which is a TV show in 1992 at the time uh, in the pub for some reason he was a Roscommon TD so maybe that's it but you know they were just there having a chat and he goes oh yeah so Charlie Hawhey told me to bug all these journalists um, you know and a bunch of other things is there anything else you'd like to ask me and then the interviewer was just like, oh, um, I was just going to ask you about the trains, but OK. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so um, n- n- nice, nice connection there to uh, a b- the downfall of uh, one of our Tishi, as well as uh, some nice trains there, Stu. So uh, not, not, a, not a bad little spot there. Yeah, I mean, hopefully once uh, once we are finally released from lockdown and the hell that is uh, COVID-19, we, you can finally visit us. I'd hope and, so. Uh, we'll definitely be going to as many pubs as we can. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, as many pubs as we can possibly drink at. If our legs are still able to move, we'll be drinking in a pub. Just put me in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So I think that'll do it for this week. So Rob, will you uh, sign us off? Yeah, uh, thanks, Stu. Uh, it's good to be back anyway, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, most importantly, as we said, do stay safe out there. Please follow the health advice in whatever part of the world you're in. Uh, COVID isn't fun to get. You can take it from me personally. Uh, but thank you for listening anyway. We hope you haven't minded. Stu did a great job while I was otherwise away. Um, I, I think thanks for that, Stu. You did a good job on your own. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back to kind of normal service, hopefully next week assuming i haven't ripped all my hair out and had a panic attack with the two exams i have but i think i'll be fine <laughs> uh we, we'll probably be doing that movie um yeah we'll, we'll finally get to handsome devil so next we're gonna week. hopefully do handsome devil next week um i'll watch it at some point and it, it'll all be good uh but thanks anyway guys if you'd like to reach us of course or give us any feedback you can find us on twitter at blarney pod you can also email us at talkingblarneypod at gmail.com. Um, any feedback is is greatly appreciated. Do tell a friend if you've enjoyed this. And uh, for me, it's goodbye. Sloan, and we'll see you next week.